I think I should copy because it's the first episode I'm leading and then I want people to feel like I'm part of the team. Yeah, so. hey man. I, will you do what feels natural to you, Mian, you know? Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of SG Explained. I am the ever-charming, ever-sophisticated Charmian. <laughs> Is this how you guys do it? It's so nice to hear the hello, hello in a very different tone of voice. Yes. <laughs> I have been waiting for this. Yeah. It's, it's a wonderful introduction, a wonderful introduction. Thank you. I learned from the best. Now, of course, joining me today is the ever-ravishing. Is that the adjective oh, that like you picked for yourself? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Robert yeah. Jeremiah. As well as the ever-eloquent Elliot Oh, wow, wow, great. I can't believe you're sticking to these monikers. <laughs> I think it's about time that we start miming ourselves on Instagram. By the way, if you haven't followed us yet, please follow us on Instagram. It's SG Explained Podcast. How have you been, guys? How was this week for y'all? Well, this week was heavy. It was an absolutely heavy week, but I look forward to these recording sessions every week. We get to talk about some interesting stuff. I know today's topic is a topic I would never have approached by myself. You guys are really the highlight of the week in some ways. Aww. Interesting, interesting. Time to get a life, Rovik. <laughs> <laughs> Probably right. F- funny you should say that, Rovig. I think this is a topic where I wouldn't have broached myself, but many people about this topic have approached me about oh. it. I mean, look at me. It's, it's <laughs> obvious that someone will be like, hey, maybe you might want to consider her. We're all so giggly around what Elliot has just said because we can actually see each other on video. But for those of you who have no idea what we're referring to, Today, we're going to be diving into the world of cosmetic surgery, beauty enhancement. <laughs> yes, love now, it, love we're it. We're very excited to explore this with you guys. So I want to begin by asking you guys, what's a common beauty standard that you've heard about, you know, in terms of facial structure, uh, specific features, and to what extent do you find these traits attractive yourself? This isn't something that I personally am attracted to, but when I was young, and actually when my siblings were young as well, one thing that my mom and my aunts and and everyone in my family would do is they would pull my nose because they would say that a sharp nose is very aesthetically pleasing. And so I just remember like as a young kid having my nose pulled a lot. And I don't know, I don't feel like my nose is like very uniquely sharp these days. So I'm not sure how effective it is, but that was a thing. Oh my gosh. Funny you said that, Rovik, because this is actually a fun fact that I tend to share with my close friends. So congratulations, you guys have made it into my inner circle. (laughs) Promotion. (laughs) From the ages of like three to five, my mom did this thing where, you know that clothes pack that you used to hang your clothes outside on the rack? She would literally use that to pinch my nose and she would leave it there as I watched TV. Also for the same reason, to make it sharp. No, it's it's for the sinuses, Rovik. (laughs) <laughs> okay, but the way I say it, it makes her seem like a, like a monster mom, but I promise you, I'm actually so thankful she did that because she was like, I'm so afraid you'll get my nose. I would rather you have your dad's nose. So we're going to start training you from young. Let's shape your like nose cartilage or something. And I was like, cool. And I hated it, but I mean, look at my nose now. We all have great nose stories. Do you guys know that my nose is actually fake? Like, my personal nose is actually fake. You got a rhinoplasty? Yeah, rhinoplasty. I don't think I've ever told you guys a story. Well, it's it's not full-on rhinoplasty, but what happened was, when I was a kid, and I was nine, I actually had a very sharp nose. I know you guys looking at it today going like, that's a lie. 
but it was actually destroyed. My nose was my nose bridge was entirely destroyed at nine. It's a long story, but I got into a fight. Well, not I got into a fight. I was I was in the middle of a fight, as in two people were fighting, <laughs> and I was in the middle of it. No, yeah, I can totally imagine you doing that. Yeah, yeah, I I was an unfortunate victim of this event, and then uh, someone destroyed my nose with a you know the recorder, the flute recorder. That, <laughs> Yep. Anyway, so they beat my they beat my nose up and then it broke and it started to get infected. It sw- it swelled up for some reason. Uh and then they took out some cartilage from my ear and shoved it inside. I, I remember this guy, Dr. Henry Tan, he he he, sa- he saved my nose, but I looked like Voldemort for like I think a month or some shit. Great to know that we all have nose stories. Uh That's great. <laughs> I learned something new about you guys every week. I love this. Speaking of noses, let me bridge you guys into some research that we've done about beauty standards. Hey, I'm glad I could tickle you this Sunday morning, guys. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm going to share with you guys uh, an overview of some of the general beauty standards from within the region. Now, I know Korea is like the height of of beauty standards right now, or at least, you know, people kind of look towards Korea as this like apex of beauty. Uh, And overall, Korean beauty standards push for an overall like innocent look. This is not well, what I'm saying. This is <laughs> written by a beauty writer named Cho Kang uh, for The Vogue. I think it's a publication. So yeah, they go for this like overall innocent look, small face, big eyes, slim body to create that youthful look. Now, full disclosure, not my idea of a beauty standard. I'm more of a bosom kind of guy. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> King goes on to explain this look as a pointy nose, plump lips, v-shaped jaw and straight eyebrows just like a just like a black pink sort of look right a flawless and pale complexion larger eyes with double eyelids shout out to lisa and uh, a slim figure with you know know, that straight shoulder line x and s-shaped body i'm assuming when they say x-shaped body is like the hourglass shape yeah very symmetrical top and bottom i feel and x to me is a weird shape in general And the S shape, I'm assuming, is also that curvy, curvy edges. Not like scoliosis, basically. <laughs> right, 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 right. That's mine. <laughs> <laughs> of course, who can forget? A lot of my friends are into this long legs, right? Very interesting, very interesting. I, I don't know if I fully agree with it personally, but then again, I've been told that I have weird tastes in women, so... I anticipate that this topic is going to be super interesting because there's a lot of social norms that we're, we're going to be talking about, right? So while cosmetic surgery and, and this whole world of beauty standards, there is sort of an industry out there. It's also operating within a, a society that has been pushing for these norms. One of which is actually the topic about skin color. And as a brown skinned guy <laughs> who is relatively dark skinned, I think, well, this has just been a very pertinent topic for me because I've faced both, both sides of it. Let's talk about fast skin, right? Skin color is seen as a signifier of social class across many Asian countries. And this is even including in countries like India, where you have like a range of skin colors. The Korean beauty ideal has made this even more prominent across other Asian countries. Chinese Asia says that lighter skin is not just a symbol of beauty, but also of perceived power and wealth in these countries and cultures where prejudice against those with darker skin remains. I mean, the thing I've heard is that if you have darker skin, you must be working out in the sun. Therefore, you must be less like office bound. Therefore, you must be less wealthy, right? That's sort of the logic train that people go on. So fairness has also been particularly sought after quality, especially in East Asia, amongst Koreans, Japanese, and Chinese. And this has led to skin whitening treatments becoming popular. Countries like Philippines and China make it very, very trendy to go for skin whitening treatments. It seems to stem 
from this uh, quote-unquote classist idea of beauty, right? It's compounded across generations with the effects of colonization by British and Pakeha cultures, structures of power that favor white as the beauty standard and that actively uplift those with lighter skin and give them more opportunities out of racist ideals. A WHO, World Health Organization study, found that almost 40% of women in China, Malaysia, the Philippines, and South Korea use skin bleaching products regularly. And this figure is 61% in India. It's really interesting stuff. I would love to like unpack this later on, but I think it sets us up for a very interesting conversation around both the industry and the cool stuff that can be done if you want to, but also the social norms in which it operates in. In fact, I'm pretty interested in thinking about how that applies to the, the Singaporean context as well. Like, I mean, what is the Singaporean beauty standard? Is it all Xiao Mei Mei's all day or is it like... Uh... That sounds like something you prefer. <laughs> no, 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 no. I will have to deny it on air right now. No. <laughs> Actually, what we like in Singapore and in Asia is that, right? It's in Asia and Singapore. Like if you think about the West, tan skin, is actually seen as more attractive because... The Kelly girl. Yeah, going to the beach and being able to tan is seen as like a wealthy habit compared to like just staying in an office. Righteous. <laughs> yeah, dude, totally. Now, with all this talk about what beauty standards in the region consist of, we then start to wonder how Singaporeans are influenced by these standards, right? So as the boys have already stated, now we ask the question, what do we think is beautiful? How do we want to look? How are we influenced by, you know, regional beauty standards? standard, so to speak, which is why we decided to bring on a professional on this episode to give us insight into the local beauty scene while understanding just what it takes to make someone beautiful these days. And this is why it is my pleasure to bring on a personal friend and aesthetic doctor of mine, Dr. Matthew Yeah, Welcome. Yeah, welcome, doctor. Hello. Oh, thank you for having me. Now, Dr. Matthew is the founder and medical director of Myeongdong Medical and Aesthetic and yes, it is housed here in Singapore. He graduated from the National University of Singapore in 2003 and is a member of the American Academy of Aesthetic Medicine. And he has 17 years of working experience as a doctor, of which 10 years were in aesthetic medicine. So as you can tell from the name of his clinic, Myeongdong Medical, his practice is inspired by Korean beauty, trends and technology. And Dr. Matthew and his team has painstakingly assembled the latest techniques and equipment from all around the world to create an artisanal experience. And I know this firsthand because I actually go to his clinic and I always fall asleep <laughs> whenever I go in for like treatments and stuff. Hey, doc, what is uh, Shamian like? Uh, is she a very cooperative patient? Shamian is very warm. She's very Aww. intelligent and she's very nice. She's one of the nicest patients I've ever seen. That's so sweet of you, Dr. Matthew. <laughs> well, super happy to have you on the show, Dr. Matthew. Thanks for being here. We're really excited for you to be sharing like experiences with us. Could you share with us a bit about your practice so far? And perhaps let's start with why you decided to name your clinic Myeongdong Medical and Aesthetics. I guess it's a little bit of fate. I was in Seoul, South Korea a lot in 2019 before COVID struck us. So I went there three to four times a year. And uh, many of these times I visited the Korean clinics. So I was inspired by the beauty trends, uh, revolutions, and the improvement in the medical techniques that the Korean doctors have uh, brought into this industry. So being inspired, I named my clinic Myeongdong Medical. Also, 
while in the streets of uh, Myeongdong, you see this nice buzz. There's a lot of uh, shops, you know, street food. There's a lot of uh, shops selling cosmetics, makeup. Mm. So you're inspired by this uh, buzz to, you know, improve yourself. So hence, I named my clinic. Uh, Myeongdong Medical and Aesthetics. He's thought it through. Let's just like zoom out a little bit and start by defining the kind of beauty enhancement procedures we're looking at today. Now, in the past, when you when you say someone has gotten work done, it usually involves some sort of major surgery. And plastic surgery was commonly used as the all-encompassing term for any sort of enhancement, primarily because you know anybody who had work done usually could not hide it um, due to the nature of the technology used in the past. So the word plastic carried a rather negative connotation, like plastic meant fake or unnatural. However, I just wanted to share this really interesting finding with you guys. The word plastic in plastic surgery actually means reshaping and it came from the Greeks. And the actual um, definition of it is the art of modeling of malleable flesh. So it was not meant to denote like something that was unnatural, but rather to reshape something into something better, which was, you know, quite refreshing to read, like the actual neutral definition of plastic surgery. For people who've gone through engineering or physics, we use the term plastic to also mean malleable. Like it actually has a physics meaning, not just a material meaning, right? So when most people think of plastic, they think of like plastic bag, but actually what you're talking about is the property of the material. I have a question for Doc which is, you know, when you decided to go into plastic or cosmetic surgery, did you feel like there was stigma around going into that field? Or by that point, was it already well accepted? I guess it was pretty well accepted uh, at that time. And when I first went into the field, it wasn't exactly cosmetic surgery or plastic surgery. I went into the field of uh, medical aesthetics, which was uh, a rapidly emerging new field. Uh, that was 10 years ago. At that time, it was uh, getting more and more acceptable. That was around 2010. So by 2010, already well accepted. Wow. The internet was being put into to our palms. So I think that also corresponded with technological advances with uh, medical technology. So in the past 10 years, a lot of things have changed and uh, medical aesthetics is one of them. That's really interesting. It all happened in the same boom, I guess. I guess it's important to mention that we are not like really just promoting cosmetic surgery or beauty enhancement, you know, by doing this episode. But we really want to find out more and share some knowledge of you know, of what we crack open today. So Korea is seen as the capital of both skincare and plastic surgery in Asia and naturally a major trendsetter for Asian beauty standards or, or maybe ideals. So I put this all this in open inverted commas, okay? Please don't cancel me. I, I, I accept all beauty standards. If my wife is listening, I have to say Vietnam is the standard of uh, beauty, okay? Like just because... <laughs> But I'll be in hot soup. Dr. Matthew, like the name of your clinic states, your practice is inspired by Korean beauty. You know, having set up your practice here, would you say the demand in Singapore for cosmetic treatments kind of mirrors that Korean beauty standard? Yes, I would say that it's partially inspired by the K-Wave and the revolution and the standards in Korea. But also because Singapore is a melting pot. So there are Thais, there are Vietnamese, there are Europeans, there are Americans, so many uh, different nationalities in Singapore. And uh, interestingly, uh, each nationality and each culture would have the idea of beauty. So although I uh, set up my clinic uh, as Myeongdong, I do see a variety of patients, all with their needs, and I would uh, do my best to recommend suitable treatments for them. But yeah, actually back to the history bit. In the hospitals, we call it plastic and reconstructive surgery because uh, a lot of our 
patients, seeing a lot of uh, the surgeons, they actually do a lot of good reconstructive work on patients such as cancer patients, breast cancer patients, mastectomies and uh, breast implants, accident victims to reconstruct noses, for example. It is lumped together, plastic and reconstructive surgery. But over time, many of us normal folks got more affluent and more of us wanted higher noses, wanted to fix sagging breasts, or wanted to do liposuction for fat thighs. So that's how uh, the boom in plastic surgery came about. But based on research, I realized under plastic surgery, there are actually two different categories, right? One of it is the reconstructive surgery that Dr. Matthew mentioned, which was fixing something that's broken, you know, simply put. But the other one is cosmetic surgery, and that one is completely voluntary. And even in the research, it's been stated that people are not there to fix anything that's broken, but to enhance normal looking body parts to make it better according to their standards. So um, that actually is what we're looking at today. Nothing about reconstructive surgery because if you need it, go for it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But cosmetic surgery, you know, has like a vein strain to it. You're doing it sometimes purely out of vanity. Based on my experience, I'm a medical aesthetics doctor. So the cosmetic surgery side is actually done by a cosmetic surgeon, which is not under my field. Uh, I specialize Mm. in minimally invasive uh, treatments such as Botox, fillers, lasers. So these are getting very, very popular, especially over the past decade. Uh, It's a billion dollar industry, I think reaching trillion dollars. Yes, because uh, a lot of uh, ladies or men, they uh, accept a little bit of injections, let's say Botox to help to erase wrinkles. They accept a little bit of fillers to refresh their look and look a bit younger. So this is the part or the field of uh, medicine that is getting more and more uh, popular. This is what men is going for, right? That's what you're saying. (laughs) Whoa! (laughs) My first learning experience is that this is what Dr. Matthew is calling minimally invasive. means you can't really see any scarring and hence... It's very hard to even like look at it and go like, oh, you went for like work because, you know, everything feels more natural in that sense. Like it, it's supposed to look and feel more natural. Maybe it's best if I shared like what I've done at his clinic so people don't think I have completely reconstructed my face and he has done some like voodoo magic on me. Um, I think when I first met Dr. Matthew, I was there mostly to explore like laser treatments and this thing called LDM. So all of these are like non-invasive treatments. And it's interesting, even in the world of laser, right? Before, like years before, every time I hear of laser, it always comes with like pretty severe downtime. Like people can actually see like the laser marks on your face. And then it takes like a few days for the marks to wear off, for the skin to be uh, renewed and rejuvenated. But it was through like Dr. Matthew that I realized nowadays lasers, the advancement in technology in just a few years is crazy. Like you can walk out of the room after having done laser and your skin looks like a baby's bum. I haven't done any like injectables with Dr. Matthew because he says I don't need them. (laughs) Really? But you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, really, really. (laughs) Do, Do a lot of men... A walk into your clinic as well, Dr. Matthew? Uh, less so, less so. I would say the majority, maybe about 70-80% are still ladies and they like a more subtle, a more refreshed and a more refined appearance. More ladies could do lasers uh, on a frequent basis, like every month, and they would look more refreshed. The pigments would be cleared up, the freckles would be burnt away and scabbed away quite uh, easily and the skin will look brighter, will look fairer, and there's a nice glow to it. We call it the Korean glass skin look now. 
uh, like all the celebrities you see on TV, they have a nice glow. So it's because uh, some of these lasers help to uh, rejuvenate the skin, repair the skin, get rid of the dead skin uh, layers on the surface of the skin. So everybody looks a bit uh, better and fresher after some treatments. You would feel the uh, serotonin and the happy hormones flowing through your blood. And you know, you'll be uh, inspired or you'll be excited to do more the next visit. That sounds so fun. Actually, it sounds like a whole experience. And I'm all about the experience life. I'm all about those happy hormones, man. All right, guys, we're just about to go in for our break. But before that, it's time for a pop quiz. <laughs> All right, this question is for my two boys, Elliot and Rovig. But of course, Dr. Matthew, if you would like to try your hand at this, or if you have the answer, actually, I would prefer that you keep it a secret. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly, okay. When and in which part of the world were the first traces of nose reconstruction surgeries found? And if in case you need a hint, country of origin is actually very near us. You don't have to travel too far. I believe if you fly there by plane, it'll take you like maybe... Mate, you can fly anywhere by plane. What are you no, talking I, about? I was going to say the number of hours, but then I realized I've never flown there myself. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a place that Mian hasn't been to too. Yes. Rovik has been there. This is very unfair. Rovik has been to so many places and Mian has been to very few places. <laughs> so <laughs> this is a very difficult question to answer. <laughs> I'm going to go with, it sounds like it could be India. And I'm going to go with maybe 1700s. Hey, Rovi, have you been to South Africa before? <laughs> I have not been to South Africa. My answer is not South Africa, obviously. <laughs> I'm going to just say it's in Thailand. Actually, you know, Thailand is known for a lot of surgery. I'm thinking somewhere in the 1900s. La, so like probably 1940s, 1950s. La. Not not so early, like 1700s. Yeah. Okay. My my guess is uh, China, maybe like 2000 years ago. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Okay. We got this. You guys are in for a treat. Okay. But out of everybody's answers, Rovik actually gets half a point because actually it stemmed from India. Nose reconstruction can be traced back to as early as 800 BC. Well, before Christ. Uh- when I first dug this up, I was like, Jesus, this goes all He's not the here way yet. Back. He wasn't even here yet. He- <laughs> and the British actually spent years studying plastic surgery methods from the Indians. So they're one of the very first in the world to explore that. Obviously, their technology is, you know, nothing compared to when it became a modern technique. But when they first started, you know, dabbling in reconstructing parts of the face, it actually it was the Indians who came up with it. All right, we're going for a little break. And when we come back, we'll be discussing the technological advancements that established medicine has made over the years, as well as the media and cultural influences that have impacted Singaporeans' idea of beauty. It's crazy to think that we're in Season 5 of the SG Explained Podcast and you, the listener, have been a great part of that experience. If you like what we've been doing over the last few seasons and you want to support some independent podcasters, here are three ways that you can do so. The first is to subscribe and that's by just clicking the subscribe button or follow button on any of the platforms you're listening to us on. The second is to share. Share our content, our episodes with people that you think would enjoy learning about the Singapore identity and challenging some of the preconceived notions that they may have. 
And finally, directly support us by clicking on the anchor link in the description area where you can make a small contribution that helps us support some of the costs of producing these great podcasts. Thank you again for being part of the SJ Plane family and we look forward to making many more great episodes for you. Welcome back to this episode of SG Explained. Here with us today, we've got Dr. Matthew Yep talking about aesthetic medicine. And, you know, so far, we've been talking about how the approach when it comes to beauty enhancement has taken on a less intrusive, less aggressive approach. And, you know, what was used to be touted as plastic surgery or cosmetic surgery has transformed itself into its less intimidating cousin, the world of aesthetic treatments. In fact, if I could just bring up an example, uh, jaw slimming for one. I mean, I don't want to drop names, but I feel like I have to. Do you guys remember Elliot and Rovic? There was a point in time when people talked about plastic surgery and the first people they thought of were Xiaoxue. I'm so sorry if she's listening to this and she's like hating on me. She's not listening to this. La. Okay. She got better things to do. She got the child to take care of. You know? Don Young as well. And I think one of the biggest things that people noticed uh, that they did was, you know, uh, shaving off their jaw bone. So jaw slimming, you know, in the past, it was major surgery, right? You actually have to cut skin and bone. But nowadays, clients can rely on things like Botox injections to shrink muscle instead. I mean, Dr. Matthew, would you say that's correct? Yes, uh, that's definitely correct. Jaw surgery is still major surgery uh, done by uh, experienced surgeons. But thankfully, there's a new solution uh, called jaw Botox where we inject the Botox into the jaw muscles that helps to slim the face cosmetically. And actually, it also has a medical function. Uh, a lot of uh, my patients suffer from teeth grinding or we call it bruxism. So at night, you know, uh, their family members and their partners may hear that they grind their teeth fair bit. When they visit their dentist, they notice that uh, bits of teeth have been worn out. So the dentist would uh, advise his teeth guards to yeah, help protect yeah. the teeth. And uh, they will also advise in uh, more severe cases, a uh, shot of Botox into the muscle so that the muscle is weakened and their teeth grinding problem is resolved. I have done that myself and I got it administered by my dentist because Broxism is it? This jaw, this teeth grinding thing is the death of me. Like I have to wear retainers at night to stop my teeth from like grinding each other. And I got it from my mama because she suffers from the same thing. <laughs> so actually, my dentist ended up administering these, you know, injectables into my jaw muscles to kind of relax them, and it has made a world of difference. So there is like a functional quality to say jaw Botox injections. I have teeth grinding, but I use a mouth guard. La. Sounds like it could be a, a good solution to just like, whoop. Doc, you mentioned Botox and I realized I actually don't know what Botox is. Could you explain, you know, what's the difference between these terms from injectables, Botox, fillers, like how are they all different? Botox is actually botulinum toxin. The main ones we use today are botulinum toxin uh, type A, which is originally known as uh, Botox. That was the first brand that uh, came out. It has the word and toxin have, in it. Uh. Yes, it has the word toxin in it. <laughs> you can Google uh, Botox and you will see their full uh, name, full biological name uh, is botulinum toxin type A. And it's a, it's a mouthful, botulinum toxin type A. There's type B 
and there are other types as well. So, but the main ones we know today or use today are the type A's, uh, Botox, Dispot, Xiaomin. These are the major brands that are being used in the market uh, in Singapore and around the world today. The interesting story of Botox, if you read about it, is, is actually uh, started as a medical treatment yeah, for patients with uh, eyelid uh, problems, also for patients with cerebral palsy. So they were initially formulated for patients with uh, eyelid problems so they could relax the muscles. But then over time, they found that ladies had their wrinkles uh, going away and <laughs> more ladies uh, came back for the wrinkle treatments rather than for the medical treatments. And that's how uh, the explosion in the Botox came about. Yes. <laughs> This is what happens, right, when you've had a taste of power, guys. You get so drunk on it, you're going to use it for other things. <laughs> so Botox is a toxin, is for relaxation of muscles, is for the lessening of wrinkles. So very good for the forehead, okay, for the jaw muscles. Very good for some muscles around the face, for example, chin to help relax the muscle a little and drop the chin a little. And also for ladies, sometimes they want to do calf slimming. They actually inject uh, Botox on their calves. So these are the more uh, commonly used wow. areas. Uh, for my patients, most of them uh, focus on the upper face or the jaw muscles. So upper face includes forehead, forehead wrinkles, glabella, the frown lines here, and crow's feet, of course. Uh, to reduce the lines around the crow's feet. Fillers, on the other hand, like what they suggest, they fill. So they are dermal fillers. Fillers are divided into what we call autologous or non-autologous. Autologous means tissue from your body, which means like fat, fat grafting. So for that, you have to see a surgeon. They would take some fats out from the thighs, for example. Mm. They would centrifuge it, and then they would put it back into your face. That is done very commonly in places like Korea, where plenty of plastic surgeons are available and the price is uh, relatively more affordable. And also in places like Thailand, for example, uh, same thing. A lot of surgeons, the prices are more affordable and they're also influenced by Thai, uh, Thai pop, Thai uh, entertainment. So uh, a lot of uh, ladies in Thailand are, are doing these uh, treatments. So um, that is autologous fillers. And then for non-autologous fillers, we generally have, for example, HA fillers, hyaluronic acid. We have uh, other types of fillers, calcium-based fillers, etc., etc. So these uh, fillers, what they do is to help fill up the face, uh, especially the areas where uh, there's significant hollowing. There's uh, a lot of sagging, a lot of aging, and you know everything has drooped down. You just want to lift it up, bring it up so that you look younger. Uh, we use fillers for those. In addition to the injectables, we have the lasers. And now we can burn the skin from the outside, tiny little holes, let it resurface, let new skin grow out. And then through this process, uh, the new skin grows out again and the scars are less obvious and they look much nicer. So uh, after a few treatments of lasers and injectables, you get really, really nice uh, skin. We can't get rid of the scars completely, but we can give you a very, very good improvement. It's very reassuring to hear about like the way the treatments go about as well, because it's sometimes about giving that assurance that it's not that it's not that intimidating, right? That it's safe, uh, that it's a very clean experience. In fact, like it's all about uh, coming in and having 
somewhat of a good time with you, you know? So uh, just putting out this kind of information, having some kind of conversations puts their minds at ease, I suppose, as a way of like letting it feel, oh, I can do this. I think we're all embracing the whole, like, if you look good, you feel good as well. And just knowing that there are such simpler options that you can choose from to enhance or rather to better certain things that you don't feel very confident about is is pretty assuring like what else said in the spirit of information right i just have one question because i think our audience would would like to know what are some of the the risks or side effects that they should kind of anticipate right when it comes to aesthetic treatment for example if we were talking about uh, the filler injections for acne scars they are pretty pretty safe uh, they are almost uh, minimal risks uh, most of the time expect needle marks expect a little bit of bruising but uh, there shouldn't be any major complications from that uh, lasers wise uh, expect downtime of about a week uh, your skin will be red. Uh, imagine if you had a fall and you had a very little uh, bit of uh, abrasion and injury. So that is what your skin would feel like. But this is a laser-induced uh, uh, burn or a very controlled kind of injury so that your skin can regenerate and grow. So the downtime is about a week, uh, week typically. Uh, sometimes it can last longer. Uh, if we were to delve into the world of uh, complications for aesthetics, uh, there, it's a huge topic really. We could talk about it for an hour or two. Um, one of the more sinister complications uh, include uh, blindness, tissue necrosis. Uh, we've all heard about stories uh, where ladies have had parts of their faces uh, destroyed, the parts of their nose destroyed because a filler was inadvertently injected into an artery. And we have patients who have had blindness. So these are very serious uh, complications. Uh, that is why it is very important to go to a trained uh, doctor uh, to do your treatments. So many, many of these uh, horror stories, whether it's uh, uh, in China, it's in parts of the world, Thailand, or even in Singapore, we've had stories of uh, beauticians who were practicing uh, illegally from uh, somewhere. So there what? are stories of complications uh, abound. Yeah, it's very important to go to a accredited uh, medical doctor for your treatments. Well, I, I guess Singapore is pretty much a melting pot of popular cultures, kind of something we talked about uh, earlier on in the episode. Uh, based on what you've seen with your own clientele, Dr. Matthew, which standard of beauty do you think the Singaporean audience leans towards? Do you think the both of the Eastern, you know, the Korean, Japanese, uh, Chinese look? Or do you think it's more of the Western style, your Eurocentric sort of beauty standards? So let's say if we are talking about the more Western kind of beauty, uh, most of our patients will be influenced by our Hollywood films, our Kylie Jenner, our Kim Kardashians. They'll be oh. uh, looking at maybe high noses, very full lips. All right, uh, very sculpted and defined faces, uh, very nice jawline. Think uh, Elle magazine, think Vogue, think of yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, what, what you see on these magazines. So these are the Western uh, uh, standards of beauty. And then for the Eastern side, uh, they are looking generally at what you described earlier on fairer skin, nice petite facial structures, still full lips, but not as full as the Western uh, lips, uh, sharp and high noses. Uh, in particular, Easterners, they don't like their faces to be too sharp or too defined. They like it a little bit rounder and softer, a bit more feminine and a bit more uh, friendly looking. 
Uh, it's also for the feng shui, for the good fortune, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess like double eyelids, is that is that something that you've uh, had to deal with before? Like people say, oh, I want to like have double eyelids or something. Yes, yes. Double eyelids are pretty popular for Easterners, for us in the on the East. Uh, but increasingly because of uh, the K-Wave, uh, a lot of people are accepting and find people with uh, single eyelids attractive. So it's really about being yourself. Uh, and uh, and uh, yeah, it's really about enhancing what you want rather than what other people want. Yeah. I think that's great. Like that's actually kind of one of the things that I wanted to end this episode on, which is, you know, at the end of the day, like, yes, you see what you like in the media and through cultural influences and all. But I think a great approach to to look at when it comes to beauty enhancement is just looking at what you have right now and loving yourself for what it is. And then you start from there. Right. Because I, I feel like we have this um, perhaps perception that if you fix this one thing, you're going to like yourself a bit more but true confidence comes from within and if you constantly find something outside of yourself to look at to change then you always end up in this position where you're always looking for something to change you'll never really be happy with where you're at which is one of the things that I, I love about um, you know working with Dr. Matthew as well I think he always emphasized like okay let's let's work with what you have right now and enhance that rather than change something completely so yeah just wanted to end this you know on a note where we need to love ourselves and embrace what we have, guys. Like Elia and Rovik, you guys are really handsome in your own right. <laughs> Thank you. I love that too. I was just going to say, I think, again, I appreciate that today's conversation has been a lot about the cool technology and the cool sort of services you can get if, you, if you've if you thought about it and you feel like this is what's going to make you happy, right? And if so, go for it. You got to know why you're making this decision. You gotta know that it's beyond just like beauty standards and norms. Like this is what you want, right, for yourself. I think once you've arrived at that place, then sure, like do whatever you feel is good for you. It's your body. I guess it's good to be aware of some of those environmental factors and be very sure that that's the part of the decision you wanna make. Yeah, and the fact that, I mean, we can normalize this, right? Like normalizing the fact that we're getting beauty enhancements, the fact that people just wanna feel good about themselves is a, is a great way for society to progress and even as a as a Singaporean, I guess just knowing that we're ahead in technology, ayo, like I'm really happy about it. Like, let's go Singapore, let's go get some beauty enhancements. Like, it's it's chill, it's chill now, guys. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dr. Matthew, for coming on today's episode. It was such a pleasure to find out about what you do and and the world of beauty as well. And I think we're all very enlightened by the procedures and just knowing exactly what we're stepping into if we choose to do so. So thank you so much it was so nice speaking with you today thank you doctor thank you, thank you, thank you. it was my pleasure so awesome talking to you guys <laughs> and of course if you would like to consult dr matthew his description uh his clinic details are all in the description box so go check it out in the meantime we'll catch you on another episode of sg explained bye bye <laughs>